0: Hello everybody. I'm Matt McCucci and you are listening to the Jazz podcast. Jazz's online editor Matt Mikuchi here, welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today. A series that we simply like to call The Jazz's Podcast, and that is brought to you in conjunction with Jazz's Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Is editors, and that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. Mike Miller was born into a musical family and learned to play bass before switching to the guitar as his primary instrument of choice. Variety is a keyword that may be used to describe his acclaimed career, whether playing with such great artists as Gino Vanelli, Boss Gags, and Korea are leading his own projects. Miller brings all his years of experience into a new album, Trust, released earlier this year, and that features rich original compositions and stellar improvisations as well as guest appearances by many talented artists. We talk about this and more with Mike Miller in this week's episode of our Jazz is podcast series. So fire up on audio and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air hi Mike welcome to the jazz is podcast hello Matt thanks for having me on it's a real pleasure to have you and uh, certainly you know pleasure to meet you as well this is the first time we talk and uh, you know I-, I-, I was reading about you and you uh, your early life, and uh, you really come from a bass playing family, right? I mean, <laughs> in the sense that you all, you and uh, your your brother, your brothers, your siblings, that's what you learned to play early in life, right?
1: Yes, uh, my father was a trumpet player, and we were in uh, a smallish town in South Dakota, and there were no bass players. So he decided we're all going to play bass in his band as we came up in age. So, yeah, so four brothers, and we all, all started playing bass with um, playing at my father's combo, you know, little musical combo. And when I look back at it, we were really playing all kinds of music. We were playing, you know, Joe tunes, Bacharach tunes, Beatles, a lot of standards, mostly standards. But sometimes it'd be Dixieland. Sometimes it'd be, um, you know, it was a wide, wide range of, of musics that we were playing, <clears throat> and then in school, I was playing string bass. This is all an upright string bass. And in school, I was in the uh, you know learning to play at school in the orchestra at school playing string bass. And in the local symphony, I was in the local super symphony for a while, which was great too. And uh, <clears throat> so there was a lot of bass in my my whole early early musical life was playing bass, which was so helpful as far as learning about harmony and voicings and where you put the bass note and you know if you play that C chord and I play an A an A chord, it's now an A minor chord. The power of the bass, it really was a, a great foundation.
0: And then as you said, you were playing all kinds of music already right from the beginning when you were when you when you were a kid, you know, so that served you well considering the various different experiences that you would later have playing different types of musics, collaborating with different people, with some of the all-time greats too. So that kind of always stayed with you.
1: Yes, I, I didn't really have any ideas about what was better. Any music was better than anything else. It was just like it was played well. It was great. It didn't matter to me. And with my friends, I was playing. I had a friend, David Wood, who's uh was a complete blues fanatic in South Dakota, he was like into, you know, Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and Robert Johnson. And so I had all these diverse sources of various kinds of music that were all, it was like there was so much good music, there was no I'd talk about, well, this is better than this, or this is cooler than this. It was all just, it was all to be learned.
0: When was it that the guitar began to kind of become your primary instrument of choice?
1: I started playing guitar... About the same time I played bass, certainly due to the fact that I was playing on the weekends with my father, playing all that music and playing in school, my bass playing was more proficient for uh, a long time. I still loved playing the bass, but it probably wasn't until maybe 18, 17, 18, before I started to kind of lean more into guitar, just because you had more. Um, I was fascinated with harmony and what you could do with harmony. So it was like there were more, it seemed that there were, it was an interesting option, an attractive option for me.
0: So who uh, would have been some of your early influences on the guitar?
1: Oh, uh, Beatles, for sure. Beatles, I was like so into, you know, post from uh, Rubber Soul on is when I really jumped on the the amazing songwriting stuff. And um, then Hendrix, of course, was huge. So head and shoulders, the way ahead of of everyone else, still is in a lot of ways. That it was it was a real mind blower. And then I got started getting into the jazz stuff later. My father's piano player, Don Eliasen, was would play me all kinds of music, like at his house, like that I'd never would have been exposed to, like you know Julian Bream playing Bach stuff, or uh what really did it was Bitches Brew, Miles Davis Bitches Brew, with John McLaughlin, and it was like. I was astounded because I had a good ear because which I'll talk about in a minute but but the Miles Davis stuff it's like these guys were killing me and I had no idea what they're doing I had no idea and it was just killing me so that was really like a beckoning it's like there's something you would you know something fascinating here you gotta dig in and find it So, but my ear was pretty well developed because my, uh, my father had a really good ear for, you know, for playing music. He could, if you could, you know, sing him a line or play him a line, he would just play it back to you. And um, in his band, there was a lot of this kind of thing where they would say, okay, we're going to do the Darktown Strutter's Ball. And I would say, what's that? And he would say, it's an F. One, two, three, four, and you're off. So you had to figure this stuff up, like, on the spot, immediately. And um, I started to learn some really uh, interesting uh, threads, through threads, about, like, in Western music. If you're, it's this kind of a song, and you're in F. Well, I should probably start in F. But if I can, there's a chord coming, and I'm not sure what it is, but if it if it's a four chord, then I play the F, by beat two, I should be able to figure out what the chord is. So I became very adept at uh, ear training, at, at just like, you know, opening my ears and being able to kind of wipe it clean and um, have the chord make an impression on me and and start to identify these chords. I really owe my uh, father's piano player a lot for that. He used to sit on the bandstand with me during the breaks and... Do little games. He would go, okay, here, you'd grab a note here and a note here and a note here and say, what's this chord? And, and it'd be all different inversions of major and minor chords. And, uh, it was really like, like a, like a game. It made it like a really fun, interesting game that you could get better at.
0: And did that help you find your, your sound as a musician too?
1: Yeah. Well, it helped everything. I mean, it helped like just everything. The fact that you could be playing along and someone would play something kind of out of the key or whatever and you knew what it was that was huge that was like people thought you were like a sorcerer or something it was like but you it's like uh, to me it's very much like distinguishing color you know it's like different shades of a blue or different shades of a green it's like I hear a, a couple notes and you can actually get to where you can identify these things pretty quickly you know and so I was forced to do that. And then it was, became so helpful to me in my uh, later
0: career. And uh, on that note, then, of course, from what you've told me so far, what I seem to understand is that being a musician, working in music was always the choice for you, right? You didn't think about becoming anything else. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> well, I always—I wasn't sure about my hopes because, um, you know, you just don't know. I was in this little uh, isolated town and, I, you know, most of the people who you would say, I want to play music. It's like, well, that's a good hobby, but you can't really make a living at it. You know, it can't be done because I knew a guy and he tried and it didn't work out. So there was a lot of kind of just not totally discouraging, but not a little skeptical. There was a skeptical uh, attitude towards the idea of playing music. Like you were either going to be a superstar or a complete failure. Like there was no middle ground of someone who could make a living playing music and play a lot of different kinds of music and have a good life.
0: And how do you counter those? It sounds like it was voices in your head sometimes, those doubts. I moved away
1: pretty early, like right out of high school. I moved to my brother. Mark had told me, you know, the colleges I could have gone to in Dakota really didn't have good good music departments as far as what I wanted to do. My brother, Mark, who'd been playing professionally for a long time at that point, said, you should just move to a city and find a good teacher and go see a lot of music. Since you already know what you want to do, you're kind of ahead of the game. So I moved to Colorado and um, there was a thriving musical scene there i mean you i was living in boulder colorado and you could play all day if you wanted people wanted to get together and jam or there were little gigs or you could just work on things you know like uh my roommate and i would just pass each other in the hallway we'd be he'd have his sack strapped on i have my guitar strapped on we'd just be walking around playing intervals (laughs) and scales all day long and um There was a great music scene there at the time. There was this guitarist, Tommy Bolin, who's from a town very close to me in Dakota, (coughs) who was a great rocker. And I met um, and played with a lot of great people who've, uh, you know, made huge careers since. Uh, Bill Frizzell and I used to get together a lot in Boulder and play. We would play all afternoon just chasing each other around with these these songs you know and and improvising and um so there was a really thriving music scene there so I moved away because I had to also surround yourself with people who were a lot better than you so you'll get better
0: well yeah that's 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 one thing that uh, that people say right i mean it also depends on who you are around the influence of those around you so to get better you need to be you know in in the company of people who know things better than you
1: (laughs) yeah where you can go in and just have your you know your mind kind of blown by by somebody who's you know got a hold of something that you don't even necessarily even know it exists yet the same thing happened to me after i'd been in colorado for some years and came out to uh los angeles to do an album with the uh fowler brothers who were all working with frank zappa and um we did this album produced by oliver nelson and the nights off, we went into some some bar and there was a guy in there playing Dan Sawyer who was playing all this Lenny Bro harmonic stuff. And I could not, for the life of me, figure out what he was doing. And I was talking to him on the break and he would show me. And I would just, I was like, do it again. <laughs> He'd show me, do it again. Because I couldn't figure out what he was doing. I wasn't watching his right hand. And uh, that's the kind of stuff where you go, well, now I have to move again. Because this guy just blew me away, and I have no idea what he's doing. I have to move again.
0: Are you still learning now? Oh, yeah. I would. I hope so.
1: Hmm. I'm working on it. I'm still like, you know, there's always something. I've always looked for weak spots in my playing, and sometimes I get like a little top-heavy in this area or this area, and other things that I'm really, you know, I know I need work on reading and, and uh, the time stuff. I've worked on a lot of time stuff. I've worked on a lot of interval stuff to the point where I kind of am backing away from that. There's also, you know, playing songs and really making making the song more of what it already is. That's a huge thing for me. Yeah, you know, that's what drew me into playing music in the first place, was playing songs, uh, you know, like... John Lennon songs really that's one of the main influences and it's a great different kind of a challenge to play that kind of music really well it's like what I hear in like I'll hear some bluegrass people playing and it's like yeah it sounds easy right it's really deep and it's like and that solo is one piece from the beginning to the end it's like one one piece and it's amazing to control So I'm always looking for challenges.
0: The track you are hearing just now is from Trust, the latest album by guitarist and composer Mike Miller. Trust marks his first album as a leader in many years and features rich original compositions, stellar improvisations and prowess interplay and technique. We find out more about this album and the great artists featured on it in our second part of today's Jazz's Podcast Conversation. But first, I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl, you should check out our Jazz Is Vinyl Club. A new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz Is editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we regularly cover in the print version of Jazz Is, Jazz and these Jazz Is podcasts. Go to Jazz Is.com and click on Join Vinyl Club. And now for the second part of our conversation with Mike Miller. What what is your work in composition then? How does that start? I mean, what is it? Is there a starting point for you? Are you just sitting down somewhere and just casually, you know, playing something on the guitar and that sounds good or is there uh, some soul searching first, or something that you want to express somehow.
1: Well, some things I'll, I'll just have a uh, depending on what kind of a piece it is. Some things that are more like chops oriented, I might just have a vamp to that the the song is draped over. But then there's other things that are ver- much more compositional that I'm, I'm learning from listening to great you know people who can really do that. So some things come like in one piece a lot of things trickle in i've written a lot of stuff in the last 20 years that is uh that has come out of my loopers my looping devices where i would come up with some you know oddball loop and kind of go back to it and listen to it and go well this is really nice up to this point and then something should happen and start i started to record all these these uh little loops on a uh you know the old days, on a cassette machine. Just little, you know, 30 seconds of this loop. And pretty soon I had like 95 of these loops. And so you start going through them and cataloging, and they start to kind of lump together. Like all these ones in all these uh, ideas that are in 3, or all these ideas that are in F, or these kind of rocker ideas. And they would kind of congregate themselves into structures. And um, I would piece them together like that and then look for uh, glue.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, also, you know, uh, when we, uh, you know, speaking about the present, then I guess that takes us right into your latest album, Trust, because I hear so many different influences, sounds, and maybe styles. And considering also that, I mean, I guess this was uh, your first album in, in a while, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, it is. It so,
0: is. I mean, is this like, are these songs that you wrote over the years that you just uh, kind of, uh, you know, had in there for a while, just waiting for the right time to maybe get them out into the world?
1: Absolutely. There were like, um, there were four that um, I had done with Gary Novak. Gary was so helpful to put help me put this together. I had four pieces that were done with Gary and, and um, Jimmy Earl <clears throat> and Jeff Babco. And then I had some... Other pieces that I played with my brother, who's a bass player up in the Bay Area, Terry. And uh, so they were like a hodgepodge of like, some of the things were fairly recent. Some of them were like, had been sitting there in my computer for 10 years. So it was, uh, yeah, they were from all over the place.
0: So what's it like to revisit the material then? I mean, do you uh, do you find that it's, do you do you change it? Do you go about kind of trying to figure out how to update it to perhaps suit uh contem more contemporary moods of yours that you're feeling or
1: yes i had to um i had to kind of you know make them sound like they're coming from the same <laughs> same century yeah but you know also some of the things are there's always time involved and i'm really fascinated with time so some things were kind of like like a i just had to kind of find what would make these songs stick together and be able to work in it in a combination and hopefully i was successful in in some of it
0: interesting because uh thematically you know when i think about the title trust i did wonder why whether there was a meaning behind the title that you chose
1: well it was in the heart of the covid mm. and it was really like such a strange time for like work and just what is going to happen next and and uh and just about how um you know, I really do feel that, that, that my ability to trust that things will be okay is like paramount to being able to just go about your daily life. So I thought it was a good, uh, there was one song that really <clears throat> spoke to that feeling that the title song, Trust. And, um, I just thought it was a, a kind of an all-compassing kind of an umbrella over the whole package that you have to, to trust that things, can be okay because there's a lot of uh, media and voices out there kind of trying to convince you that it's not.
0: Well, I mean, speaking of titles, I am quite fond of some of the titles of the tracks in this album. For example, uh, "All Cows Eat Grass," uh, "The Church of Getting Up in the Morning." They're all really great. <laughs> great well, title.
1: Yeah, well, the, the cows eat grass. Of course, is an old musical joke. It's the uh, it's the uh, spaces in the staff in the bass clef A C E G and so they would teach you in school it's like all every good boy does fine or face you know these little anagrams that they would give you in school to help you memorize the uh <clears throat> the musical staff so i always thought all oh, cows eat grass is a pretty funny inside joke kind of an inside joke
0: this album basically was it conceived the project was it conceived was it worked on you know in the and in, in the pandemic times or post pandemic times how did that impact the 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 whole overall process because process because again aside from the compositions there's also some amazing musicians on this record
1: there's some great players on it <clears throat> and it it was assembled during the covid but most of the music was recorded before there were a couple things i did during that we did remotely with uh, Jimmy, the band with Jimmy Johnson and Chad Wackerman, we uh, recorded remotely. But the uh, the stuff with Gary Novak, that was all, everybody in the same room, like the good old days. But yeah, but it was assembled during the COVID stuff. It was a nice, I'm so lucky that I can call up, you know, <clears throat> I can call people up and have some of the greatest musicians in the world come and help me work on my material. It's just like, it's astounding that I could, you know, out here sometimes you could call 10 guys who would all be the best guy in the state in other parts of the country, you know. <laughs> and so it was a, uh, yeah, I was trying to make, I had these four tracks with Gary Novak that I talked about. And then I started thinking, well, these other pieces, who should I get to play on them? And I got uh, my longstanding Connection with Jimmy Johnson and Chad Wackerman, and of course Walt Fowler, who I actually moved to California with way back when, and uh, Brandon Fields as well. And so they played on everything. The two the horns played on everything, and just had they were really a lot of the glue to hold this whole thing together. And then there was a piece that I uh, I've been working with my friend Mike Shapiro, <clears throat> and I sent him a little demo of something I'd done with my dad's old drum machine that was kind of a Samba thing and he said I really like this can I produce it and I said well sure great great." and he sends me back this thing with all these vocals and keyboards and percussion and drums on it and he even got Ayrton Moriera one of my heroes from Bitches Brew and many other things to play on it and that's on there too so that was done remotely as well, and it came from a demo I did in my back house with uh, my dad's push-button drum machine. It was really like a, you know, it just had a funny little, you know, this hilarious drum sound that Mike said, I love the sound of it, we're just going to use that for parts of it, you know. So it was a really a cool challenge to figure out who should play on what.
0: Uh, I love it. I love it. You know, the, some of the technology that you've talked about, uh, some of the vintage technology that you talked about that kind of was used in the making or conception of this album is just fantastic. You know, I mean, I guess you, you like to work with both, right? The older stuff and then the newer stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, it was <clears throat> I learned a lot when I was in before my last year of high school. I had a job on the road. I got to go on the road for the whole summer, and I was playing bass with this uh this guy's group, and they had no drummer, so it was a you know a push button electric drummer, so I got like a serious uh lesson in time that summer because that thing's not gonna move. it's gonna do what it did last night and you know it's like it's like playing with a metronome all summer. For five hours, five six hours a day. <clears throat> so it was really I, I love that stuff, and I I don't really work with sequencers that much, but maybe I do. It's uh I uh I've certainly listened to a lot of that kind of music. I feel like one of the reasons that there's so many kinds of music on this album is that I really like variety. <clears throat> I really like thrive on variety of music. There's no when people say, yeah, but if there's one thing you'd like to play, what is it? And I don't have that. I really don't have that. Like I love to play the some of the really oddball, choppy, you know, chops based kind of playing. But then I'll listen to some Irish some Irish ballad about a boat full of fish and be near tears. <laughs> it's like I really, really do like the variety in music and um like it's hard for me to go listen to a night of all blues or a night of all anything a night of all bebop a night of all really dense out music a night of really the same you know kind of inside music I, to me the contrast between these types of music is what makes it interesting
0: yeah this is something that uh we should also tell uh you know radios of most places that play the same kind of music nowadays because <laughs> for one yeah, reason or it, it, another it, we need more variety it, it, we need more variety so some i
1: know they think that that's what i want but it's not it's not what i want
0: well uh, uh mike it's been a fascinating conversation and uh thank you very much for joining us it's been a pleasure
1: thank you very much man.
0: enjoyed our conversation with Mike Miller his new album Trust is available now on Blue Canoe Records and as music from the record plays us out I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl you should check out our Jazz's Vinyl Club. Join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition color vinyl albums mailed directly to you just go to jazzes.com and click on Join Vinyl Club for more I hope you will join me next week for another episode of the Jazz Is podcast. In the meantime, I encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazz podcasting content, our print magazine, and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website, jazzis.com. And if you like what you see, you can always subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt Mikuchi signing off. See you soon.